So I don't know. Yeah. I also just don't really know how much credit to give that whole thesis. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't make any sense to me at all. But yeah. Yeah. So he says that initially Stalin had willing partners in Roosevelt and his aide, Harry Hopkins, and even the arch anti-Bolshevik, Winston Churchill, when it came to keeping the Red Army killing 85% of the Germans that were killed in World War II. And they, the, the Western Allies knew that the Soviet Union was killing all the Germans and dying and taking an enormous material toll. So, yeah, at the time, they even acknowledged it publicly. It's yeah, really absolutely. weird that we've forgotten that, but at the time, it was it was not controversial at all. Yeah, you know, I mean, like as the war was coming to a close, due to the massive contributions of the Soviet Union, Roosevelt was willing to give on a lot of Stalin's demands. But by after Roosevelt's death at the end of the war, the Allies' acquiescence dried up. Like Harry Truman replaced Roosevelt and immediately took a hard line against Soviet expansion because he had the bomb and Stalin didn't. Right. Yeah. According to Zubak. Stalin's cruel and mistrusting mind immediately began to prepare for war. Stalin's version of Leninism saw the inevitable looming final collapse between capitalism and socialism in the form of another massive war. Which, who was wrong? It's not dumb, though. Just wrong. No, it's not dumb. It's just wrong. Right? Yeah. So in order to prepare for that, the USSR set about the task of insulating itself and rebuilding its power. Stalin was, according to Zubak, a both a great Russian irredentist and a practitioner of great power politics. He sought to regain czarist territory for pre-communist reasons, and he sought to spread the revolution for Leninist reasons. He sought satellites and buffers for pragmatic reasons. And he was at the helm of the, second, the world's second superpower. The Cold War was made inevitable. Yeah, it's funny because like, I'm very rarely in the position to be on Stalin's side, but like at a minimum, you could, you should say that both sides were preparing for war, you know? Yeah, Instead exactly. Just, just the one. Yeah. Yeah. It basically, it's like that's when, whenever I wrote my criticism of this, like these, I'm reading, basically reading my notes to you. And whenever I wrote my a paper about this book, I, one my criticism was is that he's completely leaving out the allies. Uh, you know, not the not the Allies, basically the West, and talking about what ramps up to the Cold War. Well, you know, the West had no experience with uh, great power politics or empires at all, and they were just not interested. Especially um, the United Kingdom, you know. Yeah, I know, right? So, with Soviet power in Central Europe and the Far East secured by Yalta and Potsdam conferences, um, Stalin set out pushing the limits of the Allies. Whether or not the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki were meant to be shots across the bow in the Cold War, they certainly were. Side note, they were certainly meant to be shots across the bow in the Cold War. And they were the opening shots of the Cold War. 